All right, gang, so just a quick heads up. Uh, instead of doing what I've been promising for ages, which is to get around to that audiobook, instead I went ahead and compiled all 10 years of the Blue Skies writing that I did and put it together in a fucking book. It's going to go on Amazon here real damn quick, listed as the Lunatic Fringe book. You'll be able to find it in pretty much any of the marketplaces that Amazon has. It is literally every single word I ever wrote from that magazine, and it's all put together in nice book form. You can buy it in ebook, you can buy it in paperback, and believe it or not, you can even buy it in fucking hardback. Uh, again, it's going to be available here really, really soon. This one not only includes all the articles that were in the first fucking pilot book, but about 60 more articles. It's got 350 or so pages of some pretty funny, inappropriate, and hopefully informative shit. So check it out. Blue skies call. They seduce us, pulling us irresistibly upwards, reminding us to fly our own line, on our wings, and in life. We are the seekers, adventurers, being one with the air, feeling everything and nothing at once. That's the magic we chase. Follow the call. Find your pure wild flight with NZ Aerosports. Of course, I absolutely love the NZ Aerosports business model. I mean, come on. One glance at an Icarus fuck yeah sticker and you know it lines up perfectly with the fucking pilot mentality. But outside their wonderful use of colorful language and a great company vibe, there's a long list of reasons to say NZ Aerosports fuck yeah. NZ Aerosports blows me away right out of the gate as a canopy manufacturer with a bold offer. They give you 10 jumps on your brand new nylon to decide if you want to keep it swap it out, or even return it for a refund. I mean, seriously, how incredible is that? That's like getting halfway through a prom and deciding you prefer the slightly racier date that goes down faster. Seriously, they do that. If you're not madly in love with your new canopy after 10 jumps, they'll let you swap it out for another size or model or even get your money back. And the range of canopies they've got? Man, they've got a style canopy to fit every jumper and every situation with models you know and trust like the Sapphire 3, the perfect choice for the beginner or intermediate canopy pilot, the Crossfire 3 when you're ready to kick it up that elliptical notch, the JFX 2 if you're looking to up your new swoop game, the Leia as the workhorse and dirt water dirt beast, or the Petra. The Petra cranks out crazy power and is nothing short of a record breaker. But hey, it's not always about speed either. Take the Kraken. Built as a low pack volume canopy specifically with wingsuiting in mind, she gives you all the performance you're looking for with the reliability you need that'll have you itching for that next formation, rodeo, or puffy cloud. So, the equipment is top-of-the-line kick-ass stuff, as you already know, but how about the team? Well, the customer service gang is there to sort you out whenever you need them. Maddie and Beto are always there to help with Jen holding the reins. They're available for you at sales at nzaerosports.com, and they've got a kick-ass live chat tool on the website if you're wanting to hit someone up right away. These are the crew you're going to want to talk to to get those custom orders in. With the stock nylon, 
Once you know what you want, they'll have that shit on a FedEx truck as soon as the credit card machine says approved and get you in the air in no time. For your custom orders, you'll be able to get a time frame for building and shipping when you design it, so get to it. And demos. They've got demos in the U.S. available from their partner Rock Sky Market. The whole U.S. demo fleet is there with Sapphire 3, Crossfire 3, Kraken, JFX2, and Leia canopies in a range of sizes. They also offer student and tandem demos in the U.S. Bottom line, every step of the way, NZ Aerosports is there to get you what you need, and I personally couldn't be happier to be teamed up with them here on Lunatic Fringe. And now, time to get started with Lunatic Fringe Into the Void, brought to you proudly by NZ Aerosports. Fuck yeah! Coming straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go. Go, go. Back go. in the can for another edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void, and we're just going to get straight to it. Who the fuck are you, and what do you do? Hello, everyone. <laughs> My name is Bert Navarrete. Bert. I'm your old friend from You're... Cross Keys, New Jersey. From Cross Keys, New Jersey. Nice. Right. So what did you, you, you went and jumped out of an airplane there once or something? A couple times. A couple, couple times. times. Once or twice? Yeah. Just doing some work. Nice, nice. Visiting some friends. Cool. A lot of former CK staff. There's a few. Yeah. Now, um, so you you don't jump for a living anymore. No. Uh, what do you do now? I work in finance. You work in finance. Very boring. Yeah. I don't know about that. Money's, <laughs> I don't think money bores me all that much at Pays this the age. Bills. Yeah. Pays the yeah. Bills. But you used to, back in the day, be a bit of a degenerate. Yes. Nice. 100%. Jumped so. out of airplanes and did all kinds of crazy shit in cross keys. That that, and amongst other things. Nice. Yeah. So how did you get started in not just necessarily skydiving, but anything extreme? Um, you know, honestly, skydiving was probably the most extreme thing I ever started doing other than, you know, really poor rock climbing before that. Okay. But I was down visiting some friends in college and we decided really randomly to jump out of an airplane into Carolina Sky Sports. Okay. They had the Casa. Yeah. So I did my first tandem out of a Casa. No shit. Yeah. That's a kind of a pimp way to start. That's right. And then I opened up this thing called the Yellow Pages for all you young kids. This book that the phone company used to send out. Right. And you would have to look up businesses. Yeah. And I found skydiving and it, and it said, <clears throat> you know, Williamstown, New Jersey. And I found myself in two trailers in the middle of a field in this small little drop zone with a porter. With a porter. Now, wh- did my AFF. what year would this have been? 95. So, yeah, way back in the day. Yeah, 95, 96. So, now, for, for uh, people that haven't ever been to Cross Keys, uh, describe just the whole, even just getting to the drop zone is a very odd experience as far as drop zones go. Yeah, you have to, you have to drive through the wonders of South Jersey, um, <laughs> you know, which is, um, at best, was traditionally farmland. It's now actually quite developed now because a lot of the Philadelphia suburbs live there, but... In the day, it was, you know, just really wide open space between the Pinelands and the shore right. and the rest of New Jersey. So right. fairly open space, not a lot of industry, sure. you know, very quiet, quiet neighborhoods and towns. And you know, drive down this little strip called 42, which was, you know, a bunch of motels and right. strip malls and you know, diners. Right. You know, and uh, at this small municipal airport was a bunch of trailers sitting in the middle of a field and a porter. Yep. And... Uh, yeah, I did my AFF that winter. I'll never do AFF, never jump in the winter ever again after, you know, jumping that first spring. And then that following spring, we moved into the hangar. So that was the sort of birth of it. 
Yeah. When I my first uh, um, experience going into Cross Keys, I had gotten the job um, because it was like the busiest drop zone in the states by far. That's right. You know, that's where you wanted to work, and I managed to get the job uh, at Cross Keys because of a name you'll you'll know is very familiar. Um, I was working at a drop zone in Las Vegas at the time, and uh, put in my my application and name. And uh, uh, Edos ended up talking to the guy I was jumping with at the time, a guy by the name of Eddie Carroll. Uh, and Eddie Carroll um, called him up, and uh, or pardon me, John called Eddie Carroll, and Eddie Carroll did nothing but talk smack about me. Fuck that guy, bullshit, blah, 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 blah. And Eddos went, thanks, Eddie, that's exactly why I'm going to hire him. Uh-huh. <laughs> and hung up on the guy. So I go to Cross Keys, and I had uh, um, maps, and this is uh, back when maps were paper. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you had to unfold shit, and so I finally, I, I remember turning down Dahlia Avenue thinking I had it fucking wrong. There's no way way this is how you get to this drop zone and of course it dead ended in the gravel parking lot that was cross keys and i was coming with a kid all the way from arizona that wanted to bum a ride with me because he was going to get a job there as well and we set up my pop-up trailer in the middle of the fucking parking lot and i'll never forget hearing people walking past it in the morning going who the fuck is this guy (laughs) (laughs) that's right yeah and then the original building i think was like a machine press yeah before they turned it into like a skydiving hangar so you're right. It was started by John Eddowes and Dale Nelson, who were two former herd jumpers from mm. the Herd Skydiving Club in, in I think it's like Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, et cetera. And John had been a big proponent of believing that tandems would be the new way to like introduce people to the sport. Mm. And the way that he told me was that the herd was a little more old school. They believed in static line. You know, they didn't really want to pursue tandems as a training method. And so he said, screw it. I'll, I'll go build my own drop zone. Sure. So that's what he did. <clears throat> and so Krosky started out, literally, it was like a bunch of trailers in the middle of the field. I met Agnes. She was working in Manifest. Nice. Rick Wynn was there, you know, was like with his beautiful mullet, right, as like the first, like, you know, video guy there. Chris Norton was there, you know, a whole bunch of guys. And we had a porter. And then that winter, I guess, the person who was in the steel shop moved out, and then we took possession. And... uh yeah, it just sort of grew from there. And then that summer, I think an otter showed up. Everyone was like, ooh, ooh, an otter. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. Yeah. Right? And then it just blossomed to the point where you, when you guys showed up, because there's somebody else in the room, but he'll remain you know, <laughs> speechless and nameless. You know, you guys had it, had, it, had it good. You know, you didn't have to sit in the porter and do, do a bunch of jumps. You know, oh, yeah. A bunch of, bunch of super otters. And- oh, well, it was by the time I got there, because I, I was like the end of 03, 04 and on. By the time I got there, jumping the porter was like a fun Novelty. Yeah, it was a novelty. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, yeah. I think I jumped a porter maybe 20 times, and two of them I was taking naked girls. So yeah. it was not exactly a rough experience. I actually missed the porter. I think the porter's an awesome airplane. Yeah. You know, you can put a nine-way in it, and it's pretty relatively fast. Yeah. You know, you don't have to wait for, like, half the plane to fill in order to fly the plane. Sure. You know, so. Sure. Well, that was the other thing that we were spoiled with. By the time I got there, there was no such thing as a fucking half-empty plane. That's right. And if you um, wanted a fucking day off, you were lucky to get it because the planes were just always full. It was never not turning. Right, right. And, you know, I think John, you know, really had this vision where he sort of said he he reinvested every dollar that he made in profit early on into the business, mm. and he just grew. And I remember, you know, when when all the handy people showed up, they just started building shit, right? Sure, sure. Like, like all of a sudden, you know, this, this like, you know, really athletic, long-haired British guy with a goatee who would just like, you know, 
Yeah, he's got guns, right? He's got the gun show, you know, in between all of the harem that he had, you know, with sure. building, sure. building houses and trailers <laughs> right. and the rigging loft and, you know, and, uh, yeah, and we had, remember we had that, that carpet from the yeah, AC Casino in there, yeah, the Trump yeah, Mahal, yeah, 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 Trump, yeah. the Trump Taj Mahal and... I'm pretty sure the guy you're talking about actually refurbished the trailer that I ended up squatting in yeah. that fucking uh, John didn't know I was there <laughs> until that same guy and John O'Gordon, the pilot, came and set the fucking front step of that trailer on fire with Edo standing behind them yeah. who didn't know I was living in the trailer until I came out to, fi- to find the bonfire. This is, this is the same guy that when you guys were doing the Red Bull event, right, like only selected the girls. Oh, right? I did the same thing. Yeah, I okay, did, got it. Just, I just wasn't as sure. fucking fast as him, so he got the hotter girls, but I was... There's always maybe one or two people behind him. Yeah, he ended who, who up doing that guy. He's a legend, right? I don't know. I'm, I'm not. The name escapes me at the moment. Fucking, I, and he did like 30 tandems or 31 tandems that day. And I, I remember I got 29, and the last one I got was this short fucking round fat guy. And I grabbed him, and my introduction was, "I'm probably gonna throw up on you," because all I'd been doing is drinking Red Bull all fucking day. Oh, so my. for the audience, there was a big Red Bull. Um, like promotional event, yeah. Where where John had arranged for all of basically the bar reps, <laughs> all of, the bartenders of, and, and cocktail waitresses, a cocktail waitress, and like and like um, what do they call them? promoters, right? Mm. Of all the clubs, mm. came out and jumped for free. Yep. And instead of like manifesting, it was like a cattle call where they sat in a bullpen and there were like wristbands and yep. all you guys were doing were just grabbing who you wanted. So naturally, all the women went first. <laughs> and only, only the men were left. Absolutely. At the, at the end of the day, it was up with. It know? was a bunch of fucking short, fat, sweaty guys that were all pissed <laughs> off because they'd been standing there for how God knows how long. Yeah. Oh, it was perfect. Oh. Well, the best part about that too was. Oh, it was sponsored by Red Bull. Yeah. So what's everybody drinking? Red Bull. Fucking Red Bull and eating Snickers bars because you're trying to do the the record-setting amount of tandems. So by the end of it all, everybody is just wired out of their fucking minds and can't see straight. Cut to like a $50,000 banquet that they threw for us, and half of the staff couldn't eat because we were all trying not to throw up. And or have diarrhea. And, uh, it, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. It did make for a hell of a party at the end of it, though, because nobody had anything to eat. <laughs> the food was there for like, oh. like three or four days afterwards. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, absolutely. Yeah, fucking uh, hell. Yeah, so, yeah, so Krosky's like really blew up. I think 1997 was the year it mm. really just became this destination outside of Eloy and Sebastian and Paris. And he did a couple of really great things. Like one was... John was always a big believer in teams. He said, you know, having homegrown teams are what, you know, sort of like will set us apart. And then he, you know, so he sponsored a bunch of teams. He also had a bunch of, like, the Knights came out and trained all the time. Mm. And then, you know, for him, it was all about, like, he really, I admired the fact that he got that marketing game down really well. Because he said to me, look, I'm in 20 minutes from south from downtown Philadelphia. Right. I have Baltimore and New York, right? I have three met- major metropolitan areas. And, you know, we should just basically leverage all of that marketing. And I remember he would he, he did an ad placement on the Howard Stern Show. And it was right before, like, one of those mid-roll ads on the right. Howard Stern Show. And right. we'd be listening to it on the radio. And he said, watch this. He said, as soon as this ad's going to stop, we're going to get phone calls. And sure enough, as soon as the ad stopped, he would get phone calls. And it just became, like, a tandem factory. But he never, I mean, he never, like, marginalized the fun jumpers. 
Like no. he always said, like, look, tandems are what generates business, but fun jumpers keep this place alive, right? There was a huge crew of fun huge, jumpers and huge. Um, uh, huge numbers of AFF that would go through. Correct, that. correct. So it wasn't uncommon, like you said, for there to be two to three full tandem planes running in parallel all oh, day yeah. long and a fun jumper plane you know, just running three to oh, four yeah. planes. Well, and it non-stop. was so efficient. I mean, he had great aircraft at the time and he had uh, great pilots at the time. When we did that record, uh, we tried to start, we were going to start basically at sunrise yep. and go to sunset to try and get this massive numbers. And I think we were shooting for 300 yep. at the, at that particular time. And we all got ready. We're there super early and the students are ready to go, but it's fucking that, that layer of fog yep. that, that you get there. And it started to break just enough that they're like, fuck it. We're going to start. So we all go up on load one, everybody rolls out the door, and as soon as you're out the door, it's fucking white. Yep. And it's so all you just see is this daisy chain of fucking drogues going down the hill, looking down, going, we're fucked. Whoever's in front better know what they're doing. And so you've got all these tandems following each other, and then one guy spotted the ground, and you can see him just fucking bank a hard turn. All of a sudden, all the tandems bank. We all land on the the landing area, but everybody's like, we're not doing that again, are we? And we had to pause for like probably a solid hour, hour yeah. and a half before we could go again. And we were still done by four o'clock in the afternoon. And we were trying to get people to jump twice because we're like, uh, we got like four hours of yeah. sun left. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. ended up doing 407. I know. It was insane. a great day. It was insane. Yeah. Yeah. So, that, I mean, that's sort of the, the quick history of cross keys for, for listeners. I know, I know you've talked about it a lot on your podcast. Oh, and, yeah. You know, just to give some sort of history, you know, it's really, really, really incredible and and. I think like it wasn't uncommon there to have average, you know, for an East Coast drop zone, 250, 300 tandems a day. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, on and- average, um, and Quiet Guy can correct me if I'm wrong. We, uh, <laughs> quiet Guy. We, uh, um, quiet Guy sitting here laughing. Yeah. We were doing, um, on average, as an instructor, you were doing 25 tandems a day, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or at least uh, Saturday, Sunday. And the, it was a slow day if you did 10 tandems. Right. That was a slow day. You were pissed off at the end of the week if you didn't do 100 tandems. That's right. That's what you wanted to fucking put in the sheet for because, yeah. goddamn, yeah. that was good money. Yeah, yeah. And well, so, yeah, and so that was that was sort of the birth of, of the drops. And he, and he had a lot of people, you know, repatriate from the herd. The herd, you know, ended up moving to cross keys, so mm-hmm. that generation was there for a long time. Sure. You know, and <laughs> I ended up, uh, you know, marrying into the family. So, you right. know, I married Agnes's niece, Lauren. You know, I met her at cross keys. Man. And uh, my kids, you know, hang out there, grew up on the drop zone. and It's, you know, just, I mean, and, and we talked about this before the podcast, it's changed quite a lot. It has. But, yeah. uh, um, and not not necessarily all in bad ways, because I, I like to look back at my time at Cross Keys and think it was the greatest mistake I ever made. 100%. You know, because I probably... Thank, thank God there were no cell phones around. Fucking hell, man. Well, and, and I already know I'm going to lose a couple of years on the ass end of my life from the shit that went down at Cross Keys. That's right. And fair enough. Um, but it, it got pretty hectic there for a while. I mean, we're we're all lucky we are still sitting here. No, I mean, but these are the things we're supposed to be doing when we're young, right? Right. You Absolutely. Know. Absolutely. Going nuts. But my favorite part about Cross Keys looking back on it was half of the insanity that went on was John's idea. I know. He was the biggest fucking pot stirrer ever. He'd fucking give somebody an idea and then step back and see what happened. Right. Right. We were just talking about this the other day. So Stewie, you know, you remember Stewie Newman oh, yeah. and all, all the old monkey club guys. We were talking about how we had put, you know, a water balloon catapult on the roof of the monkey claw team room and we're shooting people in the parking lot 
right? And we hit, like, I think it was Roger Ponce. We hit him right in the chest with a, with a water balloon. And he was so pissed off. And he was, like, walking around trying to figure out who did it. John comes up to us. He's like, who, what are you guys doing? Comes up and we're like, oh, shit, John's pissed off. He's like, wait, 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 wait let, let me try that. Awesome. Do you remember yeah. when, and I don't remember the name of the pilot, but John... Um, t- John was the one that taught me. I wasn't a pilot at the time and certainly didn't fly the otter, but John was the one that taught me, hey, the, see that thing that rotates? That's the fucking pilot trim. If you're ever sitting up there, just nudge it. <laughs> just fuck with him. Nudge it. So I'm on a load. I don't know how much longer after I had been taught how to do that and by John, and I'm fucking just nudging the rudder or the elevator trim down a little bit or nudging it back or the rudder trim or whatever. And I think it was uh, Sarah Loesch was in the door. The door is open. We're at like, I don't know, 3,500, 4,000 feet, and I nudge it again, and he kicks the fucking rudder like a goddamn bull stomping on it and almost knocks Sarah out of the plane. Did you stall or did you uh, No, no, no. I just barely uh, touched barely it, touch it, but he thought that they were fucking with it in the back. Oh, he thought funny. they'd like pulled panels off and were yanking controls or some shit. Cut to we land and Edo's fired him. He's like, are you kidding me? If you have a real emergency, what the fuck are you going to do? You're never flying one of my planes out of here. Get, get the fuck out of here. And he comes to me and I'm like, oh, shit. I really did like working here. <laughs> and he walks over to me. He's all, did you fuck with the trim? When on that load, and I'm like, yeah, he's all like, good job. Pats yeah. me on the fucking shoulder yeah. and walks away. And I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, those, I mean, crazy, crazy days. And then, of course, you you guys showed up in the 2000s, you and Quiet Kai over yeah. here. Yeah. And that was like, you know, that was the, uh, that was the, the golden age. Yes. The years of like 2000 and 2009 mm. were just ridiculous. Every year, something new, new events. We did like. You know, multiple state records, hundred ways. You know, we were doing like space games. Showed up, Olaf came out, did the space yep, games. Yep. We had a, you know, this beginning of Swoop Club. Yeah, you know, and then the PST tour PST would come tour through. Came, yeah. Wildwood started. Wildwood started. I remember the first Wildwood boogie, like, like, like it was yesterday because Roger Ponce was on the first load and Rob Branch was flying, <laughs> right? And so we were all out at the airport. Remember, you have to go. You have to go to the. You can't. You have to take off from the Cape. May Airport, yeah. and then fly over Wildwood. And so for all everyone doing the Wildwood Boogie this year, um, back in the day before there was, like, actual GPS on the airplane, it was more art than science. And so <clears throat> I decided that we would, the free flyers, would get on the second load because I said, look, I want to figure out, like, what the spot is and all that sort of thing. And little Mark was on the beach, and they throw the streamer out, and Rob is flying, and the whole time Ponce is in the back, and he's saying, give me a five left. And Rob's like, you're not going to make it. And Ponce is like, five left. And Rob's like, you're not going to make it. He's like, five left. And Rob looks at me and he's like, okay. Turns five left and the entire load lands in downtown Wild. Like in the streets, in the parking lot, all that sort of stuff. And Rob turns to me and he says, I'm not going to put you there. And I said, thank you. So we go up on the next load. We all land on the beach. Everything's fine. And that whole ride back, John made the the brutal mistake of getting us a keg in the party bus on the way back. Oh, no. So everyone was drunk in the back of the bus yelling five left at Roger Potts. <laughs> and I think he left Krosky's after that weekend. He was so upset. <laughs> Because the entire back of the bus was just yelling like five left, you know. Oh, dude, that's fucking so, awesome! You know, they started they started jumping Wildwood again last year, and it's really busy. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I just uh, I just uh, gave a shout out to Pancake, who's still out there because I saw a video of his uh, him doing a, a hand cam hand over cam, Wildwood. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, the, Wildwood. I'll tell you what. Wildwood was a lot of fun, but it was uh, um, uh, a real. I have mixed emotions about that only because when I was in Wildwood in 2005, that's when Sarah and Ron yep. died. That's right. Um, and we got the telephone we, call. We were on the beach. I remember. Yes, yes, yeah. man. And and uh, I'll never forget that because it was um, who was it? I think it was Cruzy that came up and told me that Sarah and Ron had just died. And uh, then it was, uh, but we got to keep going. We yeah. got to. We got to put on a strong show, and we got a bunch of people here counting on us. And I was fucking devastated. Yeah, I mean, I I just remember that vividly because I was I just landed and I was going to go pack. Yeah, and then people were telling me. Oh yeah, dude, it was it was absolutely fucking devastating. And I remember being that was the only time I was ever proper fucking pissed that the people were like, "You need to go jump." And then I thought about it, and I'm like. All right, yeah, I need to separate the two. I'm mm. still a skydiver. Mm. This is still mm. what I do. And I remember we were jumping out of the Alouette. Mm. Um, so we're doing the helicopter tandems. And luckily I didn't have video because as I'm rolling off the fucking helicopter, I've, I'm literally crying. My yeah. student can't see it. But I'm like, this. I should not be doing tandems right now. But yeah. I was glad I made it through the day. But it was a real mixed blessing. Yeah. Uh, and then cut to her memorial. Did you go to that? I didn't. Oh, my God. I wasn't able to make it. That was an experience and a half, and hats off to Cruzy on this one. Uh, I mean, I don't know how many, 150 people showed up, and it was a Sunday church, and it was her church. And, yep. and Sarah, of course, was very religious. They yeah. used to call her Sister yeah. Sarah. And uh, so uh, instead of having a, a proper um, memorial, we all went to join a church because they were going to be talking about it then. Right. So a uh, hundred and something skydivers are there. All the staff, all the fun jumpers are there. And uh, um, they asked if anybody wanted to come talk. And so Cruzy went up and started talking a little bit here and there. And, of course, everybody's like, oh, God, Cruzy's going to talk. We don't. None of the skydivers need to talk. These people don't want to hear from us because they think we killed Sarah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he goes up there and he says, uh, first off, I want to get all the skydivers. Please stand up. And they stand up and everybody in the congregation turns around and we're all just standing there teary eyed and everything. And you could hear a gasp come from the crowd like, Oh, holy shit. And he gave this amazing speech and it was just, it was proper, Yeah. Uh, but it was a real mixed blessing. Wildwood had great times, but Wildwood that, that shit fucked me up. Yeah. 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 I remember towards the end there, I mean, while it was a great experience for, you know, the first couple of years, but towards the end, I think there was, I think we were all drawing straws to see who didn't have to work Wildwood. (laughs) Right. You know what I mean? Because it's just the logistic nightmare of going back and forth from the airport to the beach, packing on the beach, and like all that sand coming out. And like, wait, you guys did, you guys did forty loads at at Cross Keys this weekend? Yeah. Like, why was I at the beach? Right? Like, you know, I did do tandems. Exactly. Fuck. Exactly. I missed how much money? God Every, damn it. Exactly. Everyone was like, you know, everyone was calling seniority to stay in the cross. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Well, in the last year that uh, uh, I did Wildwood, I think the 05 was the last time yeah. I did Wildwood, and coming back from there, I, I don't know what I was fucking driving. I think we were in one of the drop zone fans or something. But it had been such a roller coaster trip. Everybody's so on edge. And, you know, me, I'm so mellow anyway. Um, some guy cuts me off driving on the highway. And I chase this motherfucker down the highway with a van load of all the people from Cross Keys that just wanted to go home. Like 60 miles out of the way. To just so I could fucking flip this guy off. But, I mean, we're proper racing down the highway, driving like a complete psychotic maniac just to try and get next to what turned out to be a really old couple, terrified for their lives, <laughs> fleeing from the maniac that was chasing them in a van. That's right. That was me. That's yeah. awesome. Yay. <laughs> yes, I mean, <clears throat> man, lots of <clears throat> lots of big personalities at Cross Keys, I'm mm. sure. 
your listeners will recognize Mr. Selwyn. You know, Selwyn Facey. That's right. Yes. Um, quiet guy over here. Yeah. Um, who can I think? Monkey Claw, we were around. CK1. Monkey, yeah. DK, you know, absolutely. DK, Danny Coon, yeah. Cruzy. Yeah. Hammer. Remember yeah. Hammer? Yeah. Eddie Carroll. Oof. <laughs> Funniest moment I ever had at Cross Keys had nothing to do with anybody else. It had to do with a drawing on the wall in the restaurant done by Quiet Guy. Yes. Um, I fucking... I, I had just found out from Eddowes that the only reason I got the job was because fucking Eddie Carroll talks shit about me. Uh, and I walk in to the first time I'm ever in the diner to get a bite to eat, and I'm waiting for the sandwich that I ordered to be finished. And I look over, and there's this character caricature on the wall um, that's really well drawn, and it's got all these characters. It's clearly cross keys. There's the logo. There's the smiley face that's painted and everything. And in the middle of it, there's a little fucking marble pedestal with this little mini fucking Hitler. That's right. And it's Eddie Carroll. Like, to a T, it is fucking Eddie Carroll. And I'm cacking myself fucking laughing as I stand there. And then, of course, that I find out that Quiet Guy with fucking amazing hair and all these talents fucking had done this shit. It so, was... so, so, what's funny is that that picture still hanging at Crossy. Yes, 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 yes. And I showed Quiet Guy it last night, and um, we were laughing at all the all the caricatures and Quiet Guy's like nude models of AFF. Yeah. are still used, you know, at the drop zone to demonstrate how, like, you know, the fly down wind. Isn't that know? awesome? So. I, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. No, but that fucking drawing it absolutely floored me. Now, uh, there was um, – there was I wasn't there for it, but I've seen the video, or I think I've seen the video, but I've definitely been told the story of the the backhoe that was in the landing area that uh, the late Craig Kuski yes. uh, tied so himself to. That's on our Monkey Claw video. So Please if, tell if me. You, if you search Vimeo, it's on – it's called Just Your Average Free Fly Video. Yeah. So you remember there was a season – one of the seasons, it rained pretty much every weekend. Like, for like there was some, like, El Nino or El Nino phenomenon. Right. Where for, like, two months, it rained every weekend. Right. And so, like, what do you do when a bunch of people are sitting around drinking every weekend? You steal a backhoe. You take the pickup truck and deposit it into the bonfire. Yep. You then have... Kusky, who remember he and Doug Urbany were good buddies, and we gave them the nickname Thrust and Rudder when they were going through <laughs> student status, because Doug was always a lot more conservative. I was like, oh, I don't know, it's kind of windy. I don't know, it's the, like you know the conditions aren't great. And Craig would always be like, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. It's time to go. We got to jump. It's time to go. Right. So we called him Thrust and Rudder, and like Kusky was like wild man that summer. Like I remember he was like. He and Quiet Guy were working on the roof, like, <laughs> tiling, and he shot the nail gun through his foot, you know, and he was walking around with a nail sticking out of his oh foot for a while. God. Yeah, and he decided to tie himself to the to the backhoe, and we were spinning him around like a top, and then, he, like, he crushed himself into the side of the of the cab, and he still got up and walked yeah, away. Yeah, not realizing that when you stop a backhoe, it stops right away. Right. <laughs> and that was also the summer that Johnny Nine Lives did the base jump off of the, off of the fire truck. The fire truck, yeah. 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 <clears throat> I mean, just, like... Dumb shit that summer, yeah. like like dumb. Well, because everyone was so bored. And well, Kusky was kind of famous for stupid. He shit, was. Though, right? I he mean, was. like when I met Craig Kusky uh, early 2004, he was introduced to me by an AFF instructor named Kim Worthington, who's been on the podcast. Yep. Um, who introduced him literally as, "Hey, this is Craig. He's going to be the next guy to go in." <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> 
Exactly. That was my fucking reaction. And Cusky fucking laughed, thought it was funny as shit, and oh, gave me a hug. Poor guy. And I mean, I, I, most of the listeners won't know Cusky, but Cusky was the epitome of a dirtbag. He was, I love the guy because he was super cool with my daughter when she made a trip out there and did something amazing for her that I was. You, I was, you introduced your daughter to him? I know it. I well, a- accidentally. I mean, at least you didn't introduce him to her, to quiet yeah, guy. You yeah, know? Accident, accident. quiet guy, that'd be the end of it. Yeah. Oh, wait. No, no. We'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that. There's, there's a whole fucking story there. I still have a problem with that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, um, Craig, yeah. he. he, he I, I, I thought he was a kick in the pants, but he was fucking out there. I mean, he this was. is a guy who got over, got around the problem of Cypress fires by taking the Cypress out of his room. Yeah, yeah, and that ultimately was his demise. Yeah, yeah. well, that and the fact that he was fucking... Somewhat inebriated. Yeah. Somewhat? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is... Well, and I'll, I'll, I'll put this disclaimer out there. The drop zone did test for alcohol. Mm-hmm. If they thought you were drunk, they would make you do a swab. Now, I know for a fact that Cusky was so fucking hammered he could barely stand up because he asked me, hey, princess, would you, could you just swap for me? And I'm like, you go fuck yourself. But next thing you know, he's on a load. And then, of course, he um, nicks the basketball hoop That's on Dolly right. Avenue with nothing out. <sighs> Made a real fucking impact. I mean, you can't, I mean, all things considered, like, you know, he went through the hoop. I mean, he you, did. You got to hand it to the guy. He did. Well, yeah. I mean, he would laugh if we were talking about it, which is like the dark humor in all of this, right? <laughs> but like when I got back that weekend, I was like, what happened? How? Really? Yeah. I'm like, wait, wait, rewind the fact that I'm very sad and it's a sure. loss of a friend and, sure. you know, very, very funny guy. But he did what? Yeah. He went through the basketball? Yeah. Like not a, not on the side, but like she threw the net. Yeah. It's fucking ridiculous, dude. Well, so this, this, this will, uh, um, it definitely shows how... Knew I was to the intensity of that kind of environment because Craig was the first fatality that I was like there and watching. Mm. Um, So when I saw it, I turned to a fellow instructor uh, named Ademo. Mm. uh, And because I heard what sounded like a fucking stick of dynamite go off. What the fuck was that noise? And I turned to Ademo and he's like, that was Cusky. Instantly, I'm thinking, go help. So I race and I get in my pickup truck and I start hauling up Dahlia Avenue and then I see the guy that he was jumping with, Frick, yeah, is sending, sitting on the grass at Ketchup House, which was one of the staff houses, yep. um, and uh, under his reserve, just sitting there kind of looking dazed. And then I got to the driveway as the first one there and there, I grabbed his wrist to try and do, uh, uh, just to check his pulse and his, it was just dust. It was yeah. like a Ziploc bag filled with Jello. But then Toast came running over, and Toast and Cusky were really good friends. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he begged to do chest compressions. Okay, all right. So he tries sweeping the tongue, but I'll never forget when he turned his head to face him so he could do breaths, his whole face just kind of went flat. Yeah. And I did one chest compression, felt the concrete yeah. on the other side, and went, nope, we're yeah. done, yeah. and grabbed uh, grabbed Toast and dragged him yeah, away. But, that's sad. But – uh, while we're talking about a dead guy, peanut butter. Cause, cause I don't want to fucking finish Cusky okay, stories again, off without so the peanut butter. If there were the amount of GoPros and cell phone cameras that existed in the 2000s that oh, exist today, God. that place would have been shut down a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Oh like, yeah. Like just 
blatantly (laughs) borderline illegal and inappropriate behavior. Oh, my God. When the beer light went on after the 400 pizzas were eaten, you know, and the bonfire was flaring. That place was, you know, no bueno, right? (laughs) Like... I think I learned the Irish goodbye at uh, right. Roski's because right. at like one o'clock in the morning, I'm like, nothing good is going to happen. No, <laughs> this point no, no. Right? <laughs> and so for the listeners out there, um, it was, you know, like many practical jokes, whenever someone would pass out at the drop zone, they were fair game. And so we would do things like, um, what's that one Packer's name? Um, blonde head guy. Um, uh, we would draw mustaches on him. Sure. Um, Cusky was passed out on the back deck. Well, well, let's use the initials here because, like, there's some people who are still living. Sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and they don't want very, this And they're very out. well respected in the skydiving community. I agree. Community, I agree. You know, but uh, MK yeah. um, thought yeah. it was a great idea. We'll to, call him Mickey. Okay, Mickey. Mickey, yeah. yeah you know, friendly guy. Yeah. Base jumper kind of experience. Sometime, yeah. sometime pilot, you know, but. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, Mickey could fly. Mickey could fly, right? So Mickey decided after um, DK and the rest of the group to film Cusky passed out, yeah. you know, um, to snip his jean shorts, shorts, jorts, yeah. jorts, jorts were big back in the day, yeah. by the way. That jorts. and camouflage shorts. Yes. That's what we all and wore. And so, so snip it to the point where his nether region was exposed to the world. And uh, I'm going to give a shout out to this dead guy. He was fucking hung. Yeah. Cusky sure had a fucking tool on sure him. guy, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. I remember thinking that. I'm like, Jesus Christ, I did not expect that. I expected a tater tot, and he came out with a fucking Oscar Mayer. Yeah, well, you know, he was thrust out of thrust and rudder. So, <laughs> you, know, you, what. you know, yeah, good on him. But uh, um, MK decided to take a jar of peanut butter, <laughs> melt it in the microwave yep. up in the rigging loft, yep. and deposit it on the nether region. <sighs> and the local drop zone dog, who, God bless her soul, would eat and drink and lick anything. 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 Marley was her Marley. name. We can use her yeah, name. Yeah, because she's, she's, she's dead. You know, rest in peace, Marley. Yeah. Des- decided to make a meal yeah. out of the said peanut butter on the nether region, which was a sight that I don't think many can not forget. I'm never going to. That's burned into my brain. And he wakes up halfway through, looks down, and he's like, huh, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and right back out. <laughs> I'm 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 convinced because Marley died not too long after that. I'm pretty convinced it was. It was a because shame. of that. It's yeah. not because of the rocks no, she was it, eating out of the pond. It was fucking or, shame. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And she was the oldest, gnarliest, nastiest drop zone dog, but she was a big sweetheart, and clearly yeah. she clearly she had a soft touch because <laughs> Greg didn't seem to complain. And there's no everlasting damage, right? right? So. Yeah, it's kind of funny. There's been a bunch of people that I, that I've really wanted to get on the podcast that uh, have all given me the same fucking answer. I would love to, but I like my job. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. So it's kind of funny if this podcast is still going another ten years from now. Which, mm, but if it is. I guarantee there's going to be a lot of stories that are going to come out that people right now are not willing to share. Yeah, no, totally, (laughs) totally. And so, you know, like, yeah, I'm just like thinking of all the random crap that happened. Oh, I mean, it just, it was a, it was a wild place. I mean, I can tell one of my favorite stories of a young Selwyn showing up at the drop zone. Please, please. Because this is like this guy, you know, Sky Ninja, you know. Yeah. Sky God right now, lead instructor at Paraclete. You know, right. he shows up to the drop zone in a van. He was like 18, 19 years old at the time. And in crayon, written on a piece of paper, on the back wall, it said, license applied for. And I walk up to him like, dude, I don't think that's how it works here. Like, I think you actually have to go to the DMV and like get a get like a license plate, like put it on. He's like, no, 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 no. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. 
And so he was just like the wild kid, you know, running around the drop zone with him, yeah. Will, you know. And I remember one time John went to go, he dropped them off to go um, pick up like one of the trailers. And I guess it was closed or whatever. And John drives out there to go pick them up and they're fighting, fist fighting in the middle of the parking lot. And he's like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, eh, we were bored. <laughs> well before Fight Club. Yeah, well before Fight Club. Well before so Fight Club. Fighting each other, like very randomly. That's know? fucking funny. Yeah. So a, when people talk about Selwyn, I'm like, oh, Selwyn. I knew him when he was a kid. Were you, you know? there for the tinfoil and aluminum ladder? No, I was not. I, I wasn't there either. Oh, for but the, uh, oh yeah, for the lightning. The yeah, lightning thing was Selwyn. I, I've seen the pictures. Yes. I wasn't there for it, but the story's fucking epic that basically yep. he was hurting for money. Uh, he's living in a tent on the basically on the landing area and doing anything he can just to try and get a jump because he showed up, gave him all his money, and said, I'm here to learn to skydive. Keep this. Tell me when I'm out. And uh, um, I guess they passed the hat around in the hangar and came up with like 50 bucks or something in the middle of a proper fucking New Jersey lightning Lightning storm. storm. And he wrapped himself in fucking tinfoil, even to a like a big pointy dunce hat and grabbed an aluminum ladder and made a lap around the fucking (laughs) hangar. Yes. Yes. They talked about that at at John's memorial. How could you not? Of course. That's fucking epic. There you go. I'm just giving Quiet Guy some wine. Yeah, he's going to start talking soon. I'm I'm hoping, I'm trying to get enough wine in him that he'll say something. He's way too dapper. You can tell he's biting. He's biting his tongue. He's trying to to recapture all of them. I'll give him like a sock. He can cover his mouth and mumble. It's fine. I I know he's got fucking stories. That's right. He does. Yeah. Yeah, the the um, that story as well. That was a pretty fucking epic one. But I mean, when you boil down Cross Keys uh, away from the insanity of the partying, what a fucking machine yeah. that place was. Yes, yeah. great drop zone. I mean, holy shit, it's coming back. It's coming back. Well, I mean, the the facilities itself were great. Yep. Um, the landing area is enormous. The enormous. view is beautiful, and yep. and of course, when we were there, the staff was absolutely cranking. Yep. Um, and we talked about this again pre podcast. The kids that are. Starting out as instructors nowadays that, you know, like a 15 jump day is a, just a huge day. And, you know, if you do 45 jumps in a, a week, you're really busting ass. Have yeah. no, idea no idea the kind of hustle. Because we used to not only do tandems, but you'd land to find out that you weren't tandem. You were shooting video. video right. And, and doing AFF. Yeah. And yeah. doing AFF. And you'd have to shoot the video and land and edit the video right. and then get on the next fucking plane. Right. Insane. So funny enough, there's a there's a there's a relatively new instructor across these last season, and I remember he was really amped because he was like, "Dude, I did 16 jumps today." <laughs> he showed me his altimeter. He's like, "I did 16 work jumps today." I'm like, "Oh, that's great." You know, I didn't want to burst his bubble. I was, just like, yeah, I was doing 25 when our altimeters didn't count our jumps that's for right, us. That's right. I think I lost count after 20. You know, right? So, um, but no, it's incredible place. I mean, like I said, John John had invested so much of you know his. Every waking moment and every extra dollar of profit, and he and Agnes like turned that into machine. Sure, you know, and it wasn't. It I don't wasn't. know, my dog. I don't know if she's yeah. farting or what. Yeah, exactly, but it wasn't. You know, like it was a destination drop zone. Yeah, it was a destination drop zone. So as much as people will travel to Florida and go to you know Sebastian Deland, you know Z Hills. People would go to New Jersey for Crosby's. Sure. Well, and I'll tell you what, especially uh, during my stint there and during the golden years, yep. people came to Cross Keys 
not because of the uh, not just because of the facilities and because you could crank out a, a ton of jumps and jump with all this talent, but just to see what the fuck was going to happen. Yeah. Right. I mean, it was a holy. I mean, let's shit. be honest. It's in the middle of South Jersey. Yes. Right. Yes. And like, if you had your choice to go to a drop zone next to a beach or South Jersey, one would automatically assume you would rather go to. You the would beach. think, but not back then. Oh yeah. Well, when they uh, when they had just um, come out with Skyhook. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure I, don't I know remember if, when they were testing it. Yeah, I don't know if you were there for this or not. I remember but, the demo because Kim was talking it oh quite a bit. Oh my god, you know? Egon Sussman was out there for Relative Workshop, yep. and um, you had to, uh, uh, Cola was out there for PD and all these reps and everything. So they're gonna go jump the Skyhook, and it was fucking uh, Selwyn and Will. Oh my fucking god! So of course those two together anyway. The, how the fuck they're still alive? I don't. And well I don't understand. Amazing. Yeah. I don't under- and Will's like a yoga instructor now. Right? Oh no, he's he's. I've had him on the podcast yeah. twice. Yeah. He's doing fucking amazing. Well, but living those in two, France. But those two kids when they were kids yeah. were oh. a walking disaster. Oh my god! Insanity. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. insane. So they they go up and they're gonna do these jumps and I, I I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt and I believe they packed them slider down. <laughs> I believe, but I wouldn't bet on that. Uh, but I was told that they packed the reserve slider down, and they were going to go as low as they could. And so Egon, the rel- the the fucking rep for the Skyhook at the time, is standing there watching these two coming down. And I think it was Selwyn that cut away first um, at like 500 feet, maybe. Um, and of course, Skyhook being as amazing as it is, it's instant canopy. But Will, of course, they're having this chicken contest. So Will now is a little bit lower, but he goes, he sees someone cut away and he's terrified. And we talked about this on the podcast. He's terrified. He doesn't want to do it, but he's not going to let Selwyn win. So as soon as he sees him cut away, he goes to cut away, but he fucking misses the handle at first and fumbles. Cut to the picture that got shown all around, which is Will in fucking line stretch at treetop level. And I was standing next to Egon when it was going on, and Selwyn cuts away, and all Egon is yelling is, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And this is the skyhook rap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had had uh, Bill on as well and Bill was like I was secretly so proud of that but publicly outraged. Outraged, yeah. <laughs> I, it reminds me of, you know, so you know, God God bless his soul, Rob Stanley. Yeah. Right? So oh, man. Rob was one of the original instructors at Krosky. Mimi, you know, Mimi. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, Rob shows up and you know, I'd heard this guy. He was a Canadian national skydiver. You know, he was one of the only guys to pass the AFF course and three perfect jumps, right. you know, all this sort of thing. And, like, in the late 90s, they came out with the first pro ditter that right. would ring at different altitudes. Like, right. it was a very revolutionary thing. And I remember having it. It was, like, called, like, the bleep or, like, whatever, like, the, the like, quiet guy. What was it called? It was British. <laughs> Come on, you know. It's, like, the bleepers. Two, two. So two something. 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 But anyway, I was telling Rob. I'm Wait, like, is it two in its space in that way? I don't know. I mean, you know. <laughs> I don't think But I remember two. telling Rob. I said, like, Rob, this is like new. You can set one tone for it. rings like a little faster break off, and then it rings a little bit faster for for like when you're supposed to deploy, and then it flatlines at 700 feet when you're supposed to have your reserve open. And he's like, cool. Right? <laughs> right? So Rob puts it in his frap hat, and I said, you want to test it out? And I said, sure. So we do a fun jump, and I dump at normal altitude and I watch him watching his altimeter just burning it all the way down to 700 feet right and then he pulls gets on the ground and he's like it works you know? <laughs> 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 I 
I'm like, how are you alive? Right? Like, seriously. You know? Well, he was the one that swooped the fucking hangar at Cross Keys and, and nicked the fucking tree. And the tree. he right. completely collapsed his high-performance canopy that happened to just magically reinflate yeah. right before he touched down. Yeah. He was in the Cessna crash. Yep. Um, and I've only heard stories about that one, but I heard that he was sitting in the camera seat, which basically means he's sitting next to the pilot facing backwards. Yep. They crash. The engine flies out of the plane, and he ends up getting wedged in the engine compartment. I mean, the guy literally had nine lives. Right? Nine and he, lives. well, he, he, fuck, he had more like 18, 18 lives. 18, yeah, yeah. yeah. At yeah. least, yeah. at least. Because he banged himself up really good base jumping. Yes. You remember that? In yes. Thailand? Yeah, jumping, he was, wasn't he jumping? He was, uh, um, yeah, it was in Thailand, that's right. And he was in bad shape. And people didn't think he was going to make it through that. that yeah. I'll tell you what, that's what caught me so off guard when he just when he on a yeah. normal yeah. fucking jump just caught some weird air. Yeah. That's so bizarre. Yeah. And I really did think he was going to live forever. Oh, 100%. The energy 100%. that guy had. He was the only guy in Cross Keys that I ever saw on a work day would have one fucking load that he wasn't manifested on. And as soon as he saw that, he would race, grab his sport rig, and go do a free fly. Never not In happen. between fucking tw- – yeah, never you know, not when I When I got current again, because I took about 10 years off the sport, I – you know, I came back because my oldest daughter wanted to do a tandem. Mm. And I said, okay, fine. Time to figure out who all the new quiet guys are there because I don't want, you know. Exactly. That, that reminds me of that story to too. To like hit on my 18-year-old daughter, right? Stop touching me. <laughs> <laughs> and so so I, I show up and I was like, okay, I, figure, I need to figure out who's here. And the only people that are sort of back left from the generation was Range, you know. Rob Stanley, sure. Pancake, et cetera. And so Manifest doesn't know who I am. I didn't expect them to. And I said, oh, I'm a fun jumper. need to get current. And they said, you need an ANFF instructor to do a recurrency jump, right? And I said, okay, sure. So they call Rob Stanley to Manifest. To become a Manifest. Rob shows up and he's like, who, him? Right? And, and they're like, yes. And he looks at me. He goes, you're current. Right? He points at me. He goes, you're current. Now let's go do a free fly jump, right? And so we did. That was my first jump back. Dude, that's years. fucking fantastic. I did a free fly jump. That's a proper recurrency. Yeah. Uh-huh. So you just reminded me. You you gave me shit for taking the kid to to cross keys back in the day and introducing her to Cusky. That was not the mistake. The mistake was letting her meet Quiet Guy. <laughs> <laughs> because she was like six and a half or seven years old the first time she comes to stay with me, right? What's wrong with you, right? man? So I'm fucking horrified because I'm bringing my kid to come to Cross Keys and stay with me in a 17-foot fuck, fucking pop-up trailer. And we're on the other side of the parking lot next to the maxi pad, um, I guess the ghetto at the time. Yep. And you had to walk all the way to the hangar to go to the bathroom. So my seven-year-old kid is like having to put her shoes on to go take a pee at the hangar, walking across the gravel parking lot and coming back and all this. But while all this is going on, she meets a few of the, the usual suspects and she meets Quiet Guy. Oh, boy. What time is it? No, it was during okay. the day. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was good. No, I'm it was saying, good. Well, I'm, I'm getting ready for the lead up. Maybe she saw something that she shouldn't have seen. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> oh, my God. Bite your tongue. No, she, she meets, she meets him. And then we're hanging out a little bit later and she keeps fucking talking about Quiet Guy over and over and over again. Well, I'm, this shows how stupid I am. I'm building time flying and Quiet Guy's a pilot as well. And I'm like, all right, well. I got to build a bunch of time and I, I, I need to go fly, but I'm running out of money. So maybe I'll split some time and, and we can double up on time. And so we rent the nice Cessna from the Philadelphia Flying Academy. Why the fuck they called it the Philly Flying Academy in Jersey is beyond me. Uh, but so we rent the nice Cessna and we fly to where my daughter lives in Ohio. Mm. 
the flight was actually kind of funny. This was a bit of payback for Quiet Guy because I smoked cigarettes and peed in bottles all the way there. Nice. <laughs> yeah, which he hated. But we get there and we hang out with the kid for like a day. I take my daughter flying. And he um, – we, we go to – I think she was playing soccer at the time. And fucking guy. Perfect hair, the whole nine yards. Dude, of course, he's amazing with fucking a soccer ball yeah, as well. So now, build you a house, draw, and and play. Absolutely. Soccer. So now, this fucking guy that she was already talking about she, when she was seven, now she's like eight and a half, watching him do amazing, like fucking Messi. Is that his name? The soccer yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah making yeah. doing all crazy shit with a soccer ball. Literally fucking 10 years later, I'm saying, so how's the quiet guy? Oh, yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? It's that accent, too. Right now, I guarantee my daughter's going to listen to this podcast. She knows exactly what you're talking about. Absolutely. Well, anybody that knows quiet guy already knows what we're talking about. I mean, look at this guy. Right? He's got the hair. Right? It's ridiculous. I I went to the gym with him yesterday, and I'm like, you know, screw you, man. Right? It's obscene. It's not even fair. He just keeps eating, and he doesn't gain any weight. No, he no. Like, half of the time, I think I'm doing pretty good. I'm like, all right, I'm 52. I'm not falling apart. This is yeah. well, I am falling apart, but I'm not falling apart too bad, you know. But the hair's getting fucking thin. The beard's getting gray. This fucking guy's hair gets thicker. Thicker. And he's and he said around the drops. I saw him yesterday at the drops. It's, it's ridiculous. How you doing? It's How ridiculous. How you doing? It's How ridiculous. It's not even fucking cool, man. Why are you man. laughing? It's true. <laughs> hey, hand me the wine, quiet guy. Yeah, I need more to fucking bruise m- or yeah, comfort yeah. my bruised yeah, ego. ego. Right, right. Yeah. Right. Uh, you want another quiet guy story? Yeah, sure. I've got a good one. We go to Philadelphia. <laughs> he already knows what I'm going to tell. We go to Philadelphia. Now, I'm an American, clearly. In Philadelphia with two Brits and an Irishman. I'm not going to do well. I'm not, and I'm not very good with the ladies at the time. I never, I'm still not very good with the ladies. Thank you to my wife for saying yes. Um, we go into Philly and we go to this place that we go all the time, which was the Plow and Stars. It was this cool Irish pub. We'd go to a few different places the Plow and Stars, a place called Continental, and a sushi bar called Swanky Bubbles. Mm-hmm. Way too much fucking money. All of it was super expensive, but it was amazingly cool. You'd spend your entire fucking weekend's pay on a Monday in Philly. But we go to the Plow and Stars, and this cocktail waitress shows up to the table, and she's just fucking a knockout. And I'm like, fuck it. I'm going for broke. I'm not going to win any other way. So I start flirting with this chick like absolute crazy. Yeah, you, you should come out with us. So she says, well, yeah, I get off about an hour. And I'm thinking, fucking hell. All right. I finally, I finally, I'm going to show finally these won one. fucking Brits what's up. That's right. America. So it cuts to, it's time to fucking leave. We get up. I'm super stoked. We're going to now go to Swanky Bubbles because Swanky Bubbles plays music. We're going to have a few drinks. And I'm walking out the door and I'm super fucking happy. And I hold the door open for her and she walks out with me. And I'm looking left and looking right. And we start crossing the fucking street. And then I look over my shoulder and I look over my other shoulder. And she's 20 feet behind me, standing next to Quiet Guy. (laughs) You dog. I'm dude. We stroll on around to Swanky Bubbles, and by now I am the fucking asshole in the lead, completely <laughs> defeated. Your third wheel in it? I'm done. It's over. <laughs> we go into Swanky Bubbles. Fuck this place. I hate this. And, and uh, um, the, the DJ there, um, 
I, I, I want to say that the DJ knew us and I had talked to him a, a few times and the DJ was gay. The DJ found out that I liked Jamaraquai. So as soon as we walk in the door, Jamaraquai starts playing. And I'm like, okay, well, I know who's working here. And I t- I'm like, all right, that's cool. At least I can listen to some good music. So we all go to sit down. We, he's sitting down at the table for maybe five minutes, maybe five minutes, when the cocktail waitress uh, from the Plow and Stars, I got to go take a pee, and gets up and leaves. Now, I'm trying not to pay attention because I've just been You don't want to acknowledge the win. Exactly. You don't want to give him the benefit. No, that I've just been destroyed. So I don't notice when Quiet Guy gets up and leaves the fucking table. I don't notice this until fucking 10 minutes later when somebody mentions that they're both still gone and we all go down the stairs because they're both in the bathroom. I'm not even shitting you. What is wrong with you, man? Right? I couldn't... (laughs) She bailed on me so quick I didn't even get to buy her a drink. And he didn't buy her a drink, and he's got her in the fucking toilet in the basement of a fucking sushi bar so, in uh, Philly. You know, I got a funny story. A quiet guy and I went out to dinner last night. <laughs> quiet guy and I go out to dinner last night with one of my uh, one of my relatives that's here in Dubai just visiting. And he asked Quiet Guy, he's like, you married? Do you have any kids? I'm like, this guy? I'm like, do you have like any idea who you're talking to? Well, he might have kids. You know? Well, yeah, true, true. <laughs> you know? You know? Oh, my God. Walking testosterone, man. I didn't expect this to be a quiet guy podcast. No, but it's kind of turning into that. It's not saying anything. It's, it's, it's kind of turning into that. We're, we're raising a street cred. You know? I uh, I was his roommate for uh, the season in 2005, and we rented. <laughs> <laughs> so you remember where Rob Stanley used to live? In, in that in the get yes. Yeah. No, 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 no. When he had the house, he had that really oh, fucking right. cool house, like two blocks over, kind of near John. Gotcha. Well, so there was what used to be the the carriage house was a separate house on that same property. Well, yep. Quiet Guy and I rented that. <laughs> and I did the roommate thing, and we moved into the place, and within a week of being there, the staff had renamed it Squeaky Springs. <laughs> Again, thankfully, there were no cameras and or cell phones. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, it's all just stories. And I'll tell you what, and I'm sure you, you, uh, uh, you understand exactly where I'm coming from. Most of the stories that I have in my life that I tell from Cross Keys, I'll be in the middle of telling them to a non-skydiver who I know does not believe, believe a word saying. I'm fucking right. saying. Right. It, not possible. Which is, it's great. By the way, a quick plug. I just uh, put all 10 years of my Blue Skies uh, magazine articles into a book. So you should go on to Amazon and buy it. The Lunatic Fringe book. Um, people don't believe any of those fucking stories. They think I'm making them up. Yeah. Like uh, half of the articles that I wrote over those 10 years were about the crazy shit that happened in Cross Keys, right. knowing that everyone thinks I'm completely full of shit. Yeah, I mean, like, okay, so we had a guy come up to us during one of the monkey claw jams and said to me, hey, can I light myself on fire tonight? <laughs> and I said, sure, man, you do whatever you want. Right. Right. And so I walked in the back, Kennedy. Because we don't know where he is, so we can actually use his real name. Right. Kennedy was a packer from Canada, so he called him Kennedy. So I walked to the back hangar, uh, the back by the deck. I walked into the, into like you know the, one of the trailers, and I see him slobbering this stuff on his face, and like putting the ski mask on. I'm like, Yo, Kennedy, you've ever done this before? And he said, No, but I read about it on the internet. Like literally, seriously, looked at me, and I was like, you "Okay." It's like and the second starts, week of the internet. Yeah, and he literally starts like passing out because the fumes of whatever cocktail he had put together were like too like noxious that he was starting to like dry heave. And then I guess the peer pressure was on because everyone's standing out in the landing area waiting for him to light himself on fire. Right. He lights himself on fire. Two things happen. 
like I, I forget who it was, tried to give him a high five while he was burning, right? And then the second thing was he told us that he had this system that if he dropped to his knees, that was the sign that he wanted to be put out. So he drops his knees, not because he actually wanted to be put out, because the fire was so strong it sucked all the oxygen away, <laughs> and he passed out. He passed out on the field. Right? Yeah. I'm like, how is this guy still alive? Yeah. Right? That'd like, do it. That'd like, do it. Like, you know, that sort of stuff happened. All no, but the I mean, time, that's that's know? honestly out of all the stories that I've either been there for or heard out of Cross Keys, that's not even close to the craziest. Yeah, I mean, like the guy that hired me for Cross Keys is Rafferty. Yeah, come on, yeah, tragic story yep. that's been told everywhere, yeah. but you still are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Holy shit! And that drop zone only got crazier from there on. And I mean, we won't go into detail about Paul, but he basically died in a tragic car fire. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know how. Else no, to I mean, put like, it. like, like we would. There was like I, again after one o'clock in the morning. I knew nothing, I wanted you on this spot. Nothing good happened at that place. No, right? No. I knew what kind of place it was when I had parked my uh, um, my trailer next to the tiki bar because I thought I just got, magically got the best parking space in the world for the trailer. And then on like a Tuesday at 4 o'clock in the morning, I'm storming out of my trailer ready to kill whoever's been playing insane techno music since midnight to find out that someone just had their iPod running right. and it was empty. Everybody had fucking left. I mean, you knew Cross Keys was going to be a unique place when they when they first had the porter. I was telling you this. The Rambo was the pilot, and he ran into the, the, one of the other planes, I think the Cessna, right. and it chipped a big portion of the wing off. And so instead of like fixing it, I'll show you the picture. Marcio has it in the ringing loft because Marcio was at Cross Keys in '94, '95. Right. They stenciled out another piece of wing from a Cessna and like sawzalled it and then glued it <laughs> to the wing on the porter. <laughs> And they were flying with it. Who was, uh... I'm not kidding. Oh, I don't doubt it. I go, don't doubt go, it. Look at the picture. Marcio has it in his logbook. At the, at, who, at, who, uh, at who the fuck, um, was the mechanic when they, the FAA came out and the local FISDO came out and ramp-checked the Sky Van. Um, and the FISDO guy was pointing out all this different stuff and the mechanic, he was either the mechanic or the pilot at the time, um, coined an amazing phrase as this guy is just ripping into the plane, not having exit signs and this and that. And the other thing in his response was, dude, it's a jump plane. <laughs> who, I don't know who the fuck said that, but it was fucking classic. Was it Bagel? You know? it, I think it was Bagel. Yeah. It, it yeah. could have been Bagel. Yeah. But it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't Tom. I think it, yeah. it might have been Bagel, yeah. Bagel. I mean, fucking hell. I, it, just saw to I just saw Toast the other... You know what they call Toast Son? The nickname for Toast Son? No. Crouton. <laughs> Crouton. I'm not kidding. Oh, my God. <laughs> Who was the guy that was famous for being able to find all the cutaways in the trees? Wild Bill. Wild Bill. Yeah, That's right. The Holy mayor of shit. Williamstown. Fucking Wild Bill. He lived in the ketchup house before anyone else. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, a lot of weird shit went down at that house. Yes. It's now nice. They've, they've, is it really? The new DZOs own it. Is it really? refurbished the inside, but it is... There are some stories in that place. Well, know? There's a lot of stories yeah. from that place. Speaking so, of speak, uh, speaking highly of the dead. That's right. Um, that's right. Sitting on the back deck of Ketchup House, a whole bunch of people. We'd had a big night out in Philly, and everybody ends up back at the Ketchup House, and there were already people partying at the Ketchup House, and we, uh, uh, this whole crew, stumbles up there, and there sits Rob Stanley on the back deck. Everybody else is drinking and getting hammered, and Rob Stanley has a cardboard box 
full of nitrous canisters and a cracker. And every two minutes or so, without breaking a sweat and never missing a fucking word of the conversation, we're just in the middle of the conversation, but never actually go anywhere. So I have no idea what it was going, but he would literally, he had two boxes, one of fulls and one of empties. And he would just pull one out, crack it, suck it down and throw it in the next box. Holy shit. (laughs) I mean, and that was, that was like a, a Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, he was a character man. He he, was. he he was he was amazing people, but a lot of amazing people came yeah. through that yeah, place. Yeah, ton of amazing people. Yeah, you know. yeah, and a lot of them have done really really good things, you know, yeah. and and turned out to have incredible, normal, well balanced. I know lives. it's amazing. Everyone's an adult. Look at you. Let's call my kid. Your your yeah. kid just won his regatta. Yeah. What the fuck? Mine's about to graduate law school. My other one's about to graduate college. Jesus, I still pee in a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> Regularly, like all the time. Yeah. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. I don't know how in the hell we made this amazing I, transition to adulthood. I, you know, when, when one of these days we're going to have to, we were just talking about this before the podcast, take all of those high eight and mini DV tapes and like send it to a service and just like get all that footage out. Because yeah. it's, it's sitting in like a, like boxes in my basement, you know. Well, it, it, like you said, there was a lot of times that at Cross Keys you'd spend shooting video, not of skydiving, but all just the B-roll. Was, oh, all oh, oh my God, B-roll. probably a hundred tapes worth of just insanity. All the crap. Right? All the shit that we don't actually want people to no. see. But at least not for another 10 years. That's right. When we're long gone. Yeah. <laughs> well, or at least officially retired and it doesn't matter anymore. Like I said, I have a feeling that this is going to be a dramatically different podcast when I no longer have a profession that I That's need right. to take That's care right. of. That's right. That's and right. fair enough. That's right. Now, um, uh, we've got literally a billion different things that we could talk to, but uh, I do actually want to take it uh, down one notch and give a little shout out and a tribute. Uh, and I know we're going to do a proper tribute and have a lot of people talk about him, but I want to mention uh, John. Yeah. Um, John, unfortunately, of course, passed recently. Yeah, just just over over the holiday. So, yeah. and I know, um, frankly, I know his kids are listening to this mm. because they. I told them I was going to do this. And awesome. So, you know, shout out to Bethy and Jimmy and Toby and Katie. Awesome. You know, definitely a big loss in the family, and you know, John was the the founder of Crossies, yeah. and you know, unfortunately, passed away a couple weeks ago. And we're going to do a big memorial boogie for him March seventh. No, no, May seventh. It's already March. May 7th, which is effectively like the opening weekend. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, um, looking back at at pivotal moments and pivotal people uh, in the sport for me, obviously, Eddowes is an enormous name. Yeah. Um, And the same for a lot of people. I would not have had the career that I've had had he not given me the opportunity to come to work for him. Yeah. And John, you know, John was, you know, one of those people. He was, you know, one of the most successful entrepreneurs I've ever seen build a business from scratch. Sure. You know, through blood, sweat, and tears. Sure. And just, you know, that work ethic was tireless. And he also, you know, Cruzy made a very good point in his funeral. He said, you know, John had a, a sense of pride to give people opportunities. Sure. You know, despite their station in life. Sure. So it's one of the things that I always loved about Cross Keys and, and just in skydiving in general is it's, it's a community where you can have the neurosurgeon and the and the cuskies of the world <laughs> all you know, in one spot. H- hanging out and like 
having this mutual respect for each other and, you know, building this community. And John certainly did that. Across sure. Things, you know. Well, you know, he was also really big at, uh, at giving people opportunities and overlooking shortcomings, yeah. um, knowing that there was better off, yeah. you know, yeah. um, my, uh, hot head's gotten me in trouble more than a few times. And, uh, uh, John has pulled me to the side once and went, you need to calm the fuck down. All right. Done deal. That was yeah. it. It was literally a look, this is the deal do better yeah you know and yeah. uh whereas um most people would not do those kind of things you know yeah I mean? yeah and so you know very hard on the on the family obviously very tough in the community but i think you'll you'll see this when we when we we'll record some stories on the seventh as well but even at, at the memorial service you know a lot of people showed up you know sure a lot of it was just happy times and dude nothing i tell, telling the lightning story and oh know, yeah we, we i think stewie made a comment at one point he's like we're still gonna go tp his house tonight right absolutely like, literally we have absolutely to, have to do that so. you know i mean it's um uh, looking back and granted it was uh, uh it, it, there were some up huge ups and huge downs in cross keys and and of course we had a lot of bad luck and fatalities and stuff that mm -hmm. happened over mm -hmm. the course of a Short few years, but it's because we were really busy. Sure. You know? Well, we were just cranking out insane yeah. numbers. Yeah. Um, but it, all of my memories, looking back, especially of John, are very positive. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, the the guy was just fucking fantastic. Yeah. He really was. You know, yeah. uh, it uh, it was a real bummer to hear that he had passed, but it was a, a pretty spectacular to hear the outpouring of love for him. Yeah, and, yeah. And if I could highlight, you know, take this opportunity, there is a foundation that's been set up for the kids. You know, I'll send you the link for it. Please, you know, please, so I can include go, it in everything, yeah. Go. That's what this majority of the memorial boogie is going to be, um, is the majority of the proceeds are going to a family trust. Awesome. Right, to provide for the education of the kids. Awesome. You know, sponsors have been awesome. You know, Pat over at Sunbath got above and beyond to support and PD and Vector and, you know, everyone. Right. Well, I mean, he had, he had a huge effect on the everybody. Lights, and, right. Like everyone, everyone reached out, you know, so. which is awesome. Yeah. I mean, he, 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 he was, he was, a, had a really positive effect on a lot of people. Plus he had a fucking wicked sense of humor. Yeah. Yeah. He was the jokester. Dude, and, the first time I ever met this guy, I'd been his employee for like three days. I wasn't even jumping at cross keys because I hadn't done my crossover to get my strong rating. Yeah. Um, I, so I wasn't doing anything. And he grabs me and says, hey, I need you to, to do something for me. I need you to take this van back to the rental company. It's on blah, blah, blah Street in Williamstown. I didn't realize that they had been out in that van for a bachelor party the night before. So when I climb into the van, quiet guy's laughing because he remembers this shit. There were probably like 500 fucking beer bottles in oh, yeah. this thing. Yeah. So when I finally managed to pull up to the rental car agency, I'm opening the door and there's beer bottles falling out of the van, breaking on the concrete. And I'm like, here's the keys. It's not me leaving going, oh, where the fuck have I come? He was a practical joker. We yeah. did we did our first, before the invasion was a big thing. Like, you know, they do the, the cross keys invasion in Florida. We would, we would drive down, a whole group of us. And one winter, very early seasons, we all rented a, we rented a camper and we were driving. And as soon as we got to Baltimore, you know, John said, hey. Schmuckers behind the wheel. Everybody start drinking. <laughs> so Schmucker had to drive the whole way to Florida <laughs> from Baltimore. So we woke up at three o'clock in the morning in the middle of Georgia, and Schmucker looks it's like awesome. he's going to pass out because he's so tired. I know? just love the fact that he would be the one to set the plan in motion, right. but not actually partake. That's He'd right. just kind of step back and watch it all unfold. Right. Which right. is what, there was a story something about a backhoe in the fence. Yeah, that, I mean, like that, there is a video of it. I'll show it to you, please. Johnny Nine Lives. You know, driving through the fence. 
You what, know, and Selwyn laughing his ass off. Whose you know? whose car ended up on the picnic bench? I don't know whose car that was, but I mean, that was like because remember we destroyed two vehicles. It was a car <laughs> on the picnic bench. Oh, Jack Tempe. It was Jack Tempe's. Um, Quiet guy was bursting at yeah, the seams for you Jack, to get that it name. It was Jack Tempe. <laughs> right? It was his like little like it was like a um, MG. Um, MG. That's MG. right. Yep. We put Jack Tempe's MG on the picnic table. Yeah. Well, and and were you around for when the uh, um, I I don't know who it was, but the owners or managers of the diner at the time had pissed everybody off, so they took um, uh, what was it um, like proper grade saran wrap and saran wrapped the entire fucking building with the <laughs> the and stacked the fucking the furniture on top of the building. I think they did something like that. Yeah. It was ridiculous. The shit that would go off. They there. were just. Big kids. Yeah. You know, big yeah, kids. Between yeah. him and MK, you know, they were like. Yeah, MK got up to some MK, shit too, didn't I mean, he? That, 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 they, were, they were the, they were facilitating off of each other. Yeah, you know? yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and you never knew if MK was being serious or not. not, right. Like, he, right. I, I will, and he'll know who we're talking about, obviously, but I'll give him credit too. The reason I ended up starting flying again was because of him as well. Yeah. And I thought he was fucking with me all the way up until I was sitting in the left seat of a Cessna. Yep. He's like, no, come on, we're gonna go fly over here. You're gonna go flying again because I heard you flew. I'm, what? Uh, okay, but I was still fucking new, and but I knew his reputation, and I'd already seen him pull some shit. So I'm like, this guy's fucking with me seriously. Yeah. But cut to all these years later, the reason that I'm a fucking high time twin otter pilot is because he put me in a Cessna way back when. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That fucking guy. You right. just no, no idea. No idea. <laughs> yeah. So, but you know. Appreciate all the, the support and shout out for the family and for sure. You know. Well, and and like I said, I know you're gonna you're gonna be organizing some stuff and and uh, <clears throat> so we're gonna see if we can't put together a proper tribute for him. Yeah, we'll have a we'll have a, I know a bunch of retired jumpers who are no longer jumping are still planning on showing up and all awesome. record a bunch of you know. Yeah, man, I would I, I, I want to just get as many John stories as I can together and put it all together in a wonderful clip. I know that the family would certainly uh, be able to hear stories from our perspective yeah. and and the respect that that guy had. Yeah, so it'll yeah. be amazing to yeah. hear. It'll be awesome. Dude, this is I could do a fucking I mean, we could still talk some more. I want a quiet guy to say one thing. Just say hello. Just yeah, just say. It's it's funny, and I've never understood. Why is he so shy? Because he's certainly not shy around the ladies. He doesn't you know? have any social media. Yeah. He uses other people's social media to, to find out up. what's going on I in know. the world. So I know he knows exactly what's going on, but he has zero f- footprint out there. And plausible deniability That's what it is. for all <laughs> of it. it for all of it. It's you know all just stories. If he actually does establish a, a social media presence, then we'll definitely find out if he has children. All right, so here... I, Here's here's the thing. So there was another another uh, uh, friend of of Quiet Guys and me were we were going to make a Facebook profile for Quiet for Guy. Quiet Guy. No. Yeah, because I have a bunch of pictures. I could put a proper oh, fucking dude. social media. I was gonna. We were gonna do it. I've got Surfer Quiet Guy. I've got. <laughs> Military quiet guy. Oh I yes. Got the full Ken doll oh sort of yes. I got long haired quiet guy. I yeah. got goatee quiet. Guy. I got all kinds of pictures of quiet guy. I could put a proper fucking. But I found out through the grapevine that he would be less than happy. Less than happy. Because the the I, the joking idea was we were going to make this profile and wait until it had like eight hundred thousand fucking pe- friend requests and then give it to him. <laughs> <laughs> 
Because <laughs> you know that would that's what would happen. Yeah, yeah. Every time I've I've posted a random picture where he's in the background, yeah, no one comments oh, on no, us. Exactly. Exactly. You just posted one the other day. Yes. And some some Larry. Oh, quiet guy, quiet guy. guy. Oh my God, how's he doing? Yes. Yes. Quiet always. Guy. Haven't he still looks the same? He looks younger. That's always getting. I fucking hate that Why shit. Why does he look so good? Fuck that guy, man. Seriously. Fuck you, dude. Always, it's oh, he looks the same. He looks he's even better. Oh my god! Is is he like? Is he working out still? Exactly. Oh, oh like dude. The, well, first of all, why are you a dude looking at whether a quiet guy's working out? Yeah. Right. 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 Like, right. Number two. Right. right. Oh, I know it. No, no. Well, even worse is when it's in person. And he's yeah. like, wow, quiet guy's really been taking care of himself, <laughs> hasn't he? What's what's he been doing? And you go, oh, he's just fucking going rock climbing every fucking right. weekend and That's all this shit. And right. Fuck you, man. Did he, he just worked all day yesterday, and then he and he's like, time to go. The gym. He's fucking Benjamin Button. After the gym. After working. After working. It's not cool. It's, it's not, not cool. It's not fun. He's gotten better looking. I look at the old pictures and I'm like, he was really good looking there. And now, with the, the just a couple of sprinkles of he's gray in the that beard, distinguished, you right? Know? You know, it's like... It's ridiculous. His fucking hair hasn't moved. His hair. Look, his look, hair look has, at that hair. His hair has not moved since 2004. I don't understand how you can put a fucking full face cookie helmet on and take your helmet off and it's still fucking perfect. All right, I got one last quiet guy story. Okay. We please. (laughs) Actually, it's two in one. We go to New York. First time I've ever been in New York, 2004. It's me, quiet guy, and John O'Gordon. John O. Actually, it might have been 2000. No, it was 2004. But by then I was flying again. So it's three pilots. Three pilots get in a car. We're going to drive to Philadelphia. We got lost, which is not says a lot for a fucking pilots. But we get to we get to Philly, and we end up with a whole New York, bunch New York of Philly or New York, New yeah. York. Sorry, we end up with a whole bunch of people in New York, um, and we're going to go out fucking having a good time. It turns out it's it's a fashion week in New York at oh, the time, geez, so, so it's nothing but eight foot tall blondes with you know everywhere. the The town is just buzzing. I have no idea where we went throughout the night, but I didn't drink like hardly at all back then, but these fucking guys got me hooked on booze, so I start drinking with them. I'm a hammer drunk. It's like, I don't know, 12, 30, 1 o'clock in the morning, and we end up in a club called the Hog and Heifer. Yeah. Hog and Heifer. Hog and Heifer, yeah. which if Downtown. you don't know what the Hog and Heifer is, the Hog and Heifer was the bar that was responsible for the movie Coyote Ugly. Correct. So it's no, it's no longer open. But, right. Yeah. But I did not know the reputation of this yep. place. I had no idea where they had taken me. And I'm drunk. I've already had too much. And I'm like just barely hanging on. We go in and the place is like three quarters empty. Um, not a lot going on. And I'm kind of leaning up against the bar. And the bartender says, what are you having? I'm not going to. I'm good. Thank you. What are you having? Well, I'm, I'm, no, I'm not having anything. These guys are fucking already giggling. And I'm no, I'm not drinking. And I'm like, wow, this. All, all I'm thinking is, this fucking bartender is really aggressive, chick, man. What is going on? And I like turn around, and she's like, don't be a pussy, have a drink. And I'm looking over my shoulder, going, I don't. I thank you, no, I really don't want to drink. A couple of minutes later, I hear footsteps, really fucking loud, and it's her walking across the bar in her cowboy boots. And I hear this crackle of the PA system, where she's like, don't be a pussy, have a drink. No, th- fucking hell, what is going on? Am I getting punked? And I st- she, she, I think, is leaving me alone until I feel somebody grab my fucking hair, bend me backwards over the bar, and pour a shot in my mouth. I wipe my lip. Oh, thank you very much. Stumble out front into the meatpacking district and projectile vomit 
all over fucking Manhattan. All over Manhattan. The only payback was cut to eight hours later. I am wide awake and happy in the morning because I puked up all my booze and yeah. I want to go see New York because I've never seen it. So I'm fucking pounding these guys. Fucking wake up. We're going to go see New York. I want to hail a cab for the first time. Yeah. Nothing ever good happens with Quiet Guy. No, yeah. dude. It's just this. Although he is hosting me this weekend. So, you know. It is just this <laughs> constant kick in the pride. Hanging around with him, just uh, he's a slightly better pilot. Uh, he's a little bit better at tandems. Uh, he still has a full head wham, of hair. Wham, it's fucking know. just this never-ending pounding from this guy, and he can't even be bothered to he say. Can't a, even be bothered to say a proper. It's not a love. fucking word on my Come podcast. On. <laughs> he's almost shit faced though. Keep drinking. You know. I know. Am I driving back home? I was trying to. Yeah, yeah I might have definitely, back home. definitely. Well, dude, like I said, we could do this for fucking hours and Seriously, hours. Seriously, tell fun. thousands of stories. We'll this was a blast. This is this is uh, this has been a next proper time. Good we'll time. Uh, I'll send you some old pictures. You know, we have a bunch that we collected for you know just the last couple of years. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Get these high eight tapes. You gotta you gotta get DK on next. Yeah, oh, good old DK. DK. Yeah, I've got some off cop podcast DK stories yeah, for you yeah. for sure. For sure, absolutely. He'd be a good one. This has been a fucking blast. Yeah. I'm gonna cheers, Thanks, quiet guy over here. Because you can't drink. Because we're getting old. Cheers. Cheers. Bert, fucking amazing, man. Thanks a lot. Awesome. And there you have it. Another episode of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void brought to you as always by, and say it with me, fuck yeah, NZ Aerosports. Head to nzaerosports.com. By Pussfoot. That's right. Head to Pussfoot.com, the extreme sports collective, and check out everything they've got to offer. By SummitParachuteSystems.com. Jarrett Martin and the family cranking out amazing pilot rigs, as well as incredible rigging courses. And now joining the Lunatic team, it's the one and only Tony Suits. You know him, you love him. Head to TonySuit.com. Check out all the amazing standards, as well as the new incredible signature line they've got going on. And as for us, the Lunatic Fringe is now on YouTube. That's right, you're going to have the chance to put faces to the audio by heading to youtube.com and looking up the Lunatic Fringe podcast. It's easy. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, check out all the amazing videos from the previous guests that we've had, as well as new and upcoming interviews on video. As always, I am the fucking pilot. Head to thefuckingpilot.net or theprincesspilot.com. Thanks for joining. We'll see you next time around.
Damn. <laughs>